Welcome back to another episode of HD Embodied. I'm excited for a number of reasons today because I have a fellow Aussie on the call with me, which is great because we've had so many people from all around the world, but I do love hearing a fellow Aussie accent. So enjoy that. And Amy and I were just uh, chatting before we jumped on and she actually grew up not too far from me. So we're both country girls from South Australia, which is pretty fun. And, and I think uh, she's a six line as well. So we'll have a bit of fun talking about the first 30 years of our life and how different that can be now that we've both made it up onto the roof alive. Um, but welcome Amy to HD Embodied. Amy is a splenic projector. She's a four six. She's got that cross of contagion happening and she is somebody that I have never met in person, only connected with online. This is actually the first time we've talked in real time together. So we're going to have a, a great jam and I hope you really enjoy it. One of the things about Amy that I'm really excited to have her on here for is I think she has some of the best HD parenting content online that I have ever seen. She really lives the experience of parenting using human design. And if you know me, you know that I'm really into human design as permission and when we look at that permission for children it just you know it rocks my world and i've got a, a long-term passion to get human design into the schooling system somehow i'm like putting the tendrils out there and finding little little promising starts so i'm really looking forward to chatting with amy about her experience with human design and children and parenting um and we're also coming off the back of mother's day so Happy Mother's Day to all the mothers out there. And this podcast episode, we devote to you the amazing mothers and the energy of the mother in the world in this time as we come up to, you know, this shifting era point and the changing energetics and really feeling that beautiful, incredible feminine energy come back and alive and, and return in a whole nother way into the world and the village and the community and all of that sort of stuff really starting to get some traction. So we'll see where this conversation takes us, but I really hope it uh, involves some of that chat. Amy, welcome. Tell tell the listeners a little bit about your background with human design, maybe, and, and a little bit about yourself. G'day. <laughs> G'day, mate. G'day, mate. Um, oh, my background. Okay. Yeah. So yeah, very much the mother's story. Um, hadn't heard of human design, no interest in human design whatsoever. Always been the one to look up my astrology in the Sunday Mail, you know, the local paper. Um, but it wasn't until, yeah, uh, had my first baby, became the mother, completely lost myself, lost everything about myself, lost my identity, lost control of my emotions, lost control of my behaviour, like just lost myself um yeah and he was it wasn't I was diagnosed with um postnatal depression um and anxiety um 
just fatigued, overwhelmed. And I took him to a kinesiology session one day and it was the kinesiologist who said to me, have you ever looked into human design? Have you ever looked at his design? And he was six months old at the time. Um, and I said, no. And of course I went home and straight away was like, I will grab any carrot right now to save me, to save my life and this child's life, because I don't know what's going on. Um, yeah. And looked up his chart and was just, and just dove in like full contagion style. It was just like, I am in here, whatever, whatever this is and have not stopped or looked back since. And it has no joke. Can cha- it's just changed our lives. Yeah. Cause your family, you've got a, you've got a generator partner, you're a projector and then your sons are both, you've got a projector and a manifester. Yeah. Yeah. So the eldest manifester, um, and the youngest is a projector and my partner's a sacral generator. So we're, we're living with a variety. Um, yeah. Yeah. How, how old were you when you had your first bub? How old were you then? Oh, I was 30. I must've been 32. Yeah. So that Saturn return was really <laughs> like that through there somewhere. Yeah. Yeah. I must've been, 30, I, I think I was 31. I was coming off the end. Um, yeah. So I was married, got married at 28, divorced at 30. Um, and then yeah, pregnant and, and, and bubs at 30, 31, 32. Yeah. 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 Just rode that Saturn return for all it was worth. Oh yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I lo- I love the Saturn return. We're both six, sixes. Let's talk a little bit about this. Like, seeing as this is where your human design adventure started, mine was similar. Actually, I think human design found me just after my Saturn return. I'd just kind of like struggled out the the you know through the through the trenches of Saturn return, and human design was waiting there to help me kind of put things back into perspective and like get back on my feet mm. and. You know, I think there's a lot here for sixes. You know, I had a had a chat with a six the other day who's just starting her Saturn return and she's terrified. And the whole thing about Saturn return for me is like, well, I mean, I do think that sixes feel it more intently because it's so much a part of their purpose. It's so much a part of their being is to actually like go through that transition really uh, obviously. And it's all about consciousness it's like about your willingness to say yes your willingness to let things go your willingness to let things die and the more that you grip or hold on or struggle against that and this is like pertinent for both you and me we've got the channel of struggle but the more you struggle against that that you know the more saturn you know has to work your system and so being a six or going through your Saturn return just in general doesn't necessarily mean your Saturn return is going to be like leaving you like it was for you and I, where we're just like, what the fuck just happened? But there is this reality that sometimes that's your path and that's where you get a lot of medicine and that's where you find some really important stuff. Like it sounds like for you, it was human design in the early stages of motherhood. And for me, it was too definitely like human design in terms of my personal self having, having returned to that. Um, what what would you say to people who are just coming into their Saturn return and they're they're starting to shit their pants about it? What would you say? Look in hindsight as a six on the roof looking back at that that time of your life. What would you say to them? You know when you um, you know when your parents are sometimes like, I know I know that you don't want to do this or whatever, but it's fucking good for you. Like, do oh, am I allowed to swear? Sorry. Yes, I swear. A <laughs> yes, I'm like, <laughs> gonna be some language here um yeah you know when you like it's almost like when your dad says clean this room up now 
that's what it sat and feels like for me. And you're sitting in your room and you're like, fuck you, dad. My room's fine the way it is. I can climb, you know, I can climb over all these clothes to get around. I know where everything is. It's all good. And your dad's like, fucking clean it up. That's what satin feels like. And although you might be shitting your pants because dad's opened the door and he's like, clean this up now. Um, it's for your own, it, it's for your own good. It's for yeah. your own discipline. It's for you. It's for, it's like course correct. It's absolute course correct. Um, and it's kind of like clean the room up now because otherwise Chiron's fucking worse. <laughs> like mum coming in and going Chiron hits about 50 for those folks who are like what's Chiron oh shit what huh but and then I always say there's Uranian Uranian opposition in the middle there I'm just hitting that right now at 42 so like 42 43 and that you know that's your traditional midlife crisis which if we look at life and how life goes this is like we used to you know, die a lot younger. So Saturn return was our midlife crisis. But now we're, you know, Uranian beings, then we've got the, you, you know, we've got a, a Uranian opposition in the middle there. And then you've also got Chiron because we we do live longer. So life's giving us a lot of opportunities to grow up. We just have to choose whether we take them or not and how much we take them. I mean, I know my Saturn return definitely was just the beginning of a big long cleanup phase of my life, um, yeah. you know, that went on for, you know, almost a decade. But I think that's really, I think that's really good advice. It's like somebody telling you to clean up your room and you might not think it needs cleaning up, but it definitely helps you to clear up and have a look at what you're left with and realize that you've got some stuff there that you didn't have before. Um, what was your, so you're a splenic projector and like, I'm looking at Amy's chart. She's got a lot of, a lot of open centers. She's got some pretty hefty channels in there. She's got the 4426, 2838 and the 1858 in there, but you've got a lot of openness to your system. What was it like when you first pulled up your chart and you, and you looked at it and you realized there was, you know, you were a projector and you had this splenic authority and like, what did that feel like for you when you learned that stuff? Uh, I think for me, it was kind of like, nah, well, I'm a manifester for sure. <laughs> like I can manifest, manifestation culture. You know, I come from that that era, that background of like dream boards. And it's like, yeah, nah, wait for invitations. Nah, <laughs> like none of, this applies. none of this applies to me. I'm just going to apply it to my child. That's yeah. what I'm going to do with this system. Um, and then... I think it was a process of like watching my child, watching the system, observing him within his type and then learning to um, his classic projector story, right? It was learn about yourself through the other first. And so it was like learning to respect his aura um, and the mechanics of his aura, learning to communicate with his aura really taught me, oh, shit, I am a pokey projector. I am annoying or a poker and I'm pissing him off like it took because he's a manifester yeah Yeah. like this is your manifesto child yeah yeah and so like of course I couldn't fire like I fire questions at him he wouldn't answer I'd you know ask him this he'd get angry he was always frustrated angry with me and then so it it was like learning to communicate with his aura that really taught me like oh shit no you are a projector Amy like you do have that penetrating aura you do see things you do see efficiencies you do share them and people don't like that. <laughs> like yeah. all of that shit really, t- it, but it was through watching him and observing him that it came back to me 
Um, but I did think at first, I was like, yeah, I'm going to use this system just to raise my kids and then like not worry about me. Um, and then well, I, I think, I think, I think this is a re- that's a really interesting point because a lot of people come to human design really extractive, right? Like they come to use the system to get something. And that's just very indicative of society in general. We, we, we're raised that way. What, what can we get from life, you know? And so people come to human design for all sorts of amazing things. You came to it to get answers about your, your child. Mm-hmm. You know, I came to it in terms of like, how do I get my health back? You know, some people come to it in terms of, you know, how do I make money? How do I, you know, how do I find the right relationship? How do I fix this problem in my life? How do I, you know, become famous, whatever it might be, you know, and at the end of the day, human designs, this very forgiving system that's like, yeah, you can come to me and eventually I'll just work you magically into receiving what's actually there to be, be received, which is what I love about it. It's actually such a new era feminine energetic tool that it's like you can be extractive and manipulative with it and eventually it'll just serve you up on a plate regardless yeah um you know what is when when you started seeing yourself because i think this is like one of the amazing things about being a projector is you hear this like you're not here to know yourself you really know the other but then you get to know yourself in this like reflective way of feeling yourself bounced back from other people and their experiences of you and with you um you know what's the funnest thing what's the thing that you love about being a projector now um I think for me it's like really taking stock of my own energy like there was a real realization of like oh I can save myself a lot of fucking energy here if I I want just shut up for one like how much energy do we save just shutting up heaps like butting out <laughs> that like I don't actually have to do anything until my child tells me to do it sort of thing like yeah there's other things I have to get done or whatever but I don't have to set up crafts I don't have to you know set up all these activities for him to do like he's an independent manifesto I was wasting so much energy mm-hmm. and for me really like relaxing and surrendering to the projector role was it was energy giving to me because it was like fuck I am not putting energy out anymore that's meeting resistance yeah I mean your chart's interesting in that way because you have this defined ego so you've got like this willpower built into you but your motivate your motivation is like more receptive and 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 peripheral but then then you've got all you've got these three other you know left variables that are all strategic and in there so I can see that coming into something like motherhood where we really are taught to be very strategic you know you read the manual and then you Uh give birth and then you follow these set procedures with your kids and you'll have motherhood sorted and you know and these are the rules kind of thing that you you know there's a way that your defined ego and 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 those parts of you that are strategic would have really been able to be like okay well if I just follow this then it will work and then when that doesn't happen you, you crumble into a heap and you're like, but I'm doing all the things, but actually on a deeper level in your design, you're really here to sit back, watch, wait for that, you know, indicator that there's something here for you to really effectively get involved with. And then, you know, there's that way that, that all that receptivity starts to, to work effortlessly through your system. Yeah. Is that yeah. kind of how it how it feels like it's evolved? 
yeah yeah there's been a it's been like a constant process of releasing control release and surrendering releasing control and surrender and even like his birth was that way I had it you know it was going to be this sort of birth and I was going to have this music playing and there was going to be this breath work happening um you know and then it was the feeding schedule and the sleeping schedule and when I was at my absolute fucking lowest of lows I had no choice that was dark night of soul yeah that's that scene where you're sort of like on your knees and like I all right I've been dealt the one child that doesn't fit any box yeah you know and I don't think any child fits any box that's you know but he he doesn't he's a minority of the minority and it's just like of course I was dealt that because I wanted to have complete control and you know the routine and the schedule and all of the things and of course I was dealt him um and so it was my greatest lesson was to surrender and it's so funny because that ego motor it has to surrender to the awareness of the spleen it's got no choice um if it if it doesn't surrender to the awareness of the spleen it's acting you're acting from a not self place in the mind yeah that motor is the most powerful when it's in surrender to the spleen's awareness yeah i think this is a really great thing for mothers out there who are like looking at human design and how it can support them in parenting to really hear is and it's something that i really appreciate in your writing is you talk a lot about doing it the not self way or not actually doing it according to your design as a way to learn your design like we don't actually need human design because all the not self behaviors that we do eventually get so painful that we start to correct them anyway which is which is great but human design gives us this way to be actually be not needing to wait for those mac truck moments like you were talking about with your dark night of the soul and having that and also the perfection of your path so that you can hold this medicine and then give that back like if you hadn't been through this experience with your son and had this experience then you wouldn't be able to you know share that wisdom and pass that uh that maturity of energy and energetics onwards that's i i love it like we get the kids that are just perfect for us so for mothers out there if you're like struggling if you're really struggling and you're like can human design help me fix this and i really want to say like the fix this bit it's not like the answer's not written in the chart of like oh just do this differently and then it will all be corrected you know the the truth is that human design can like kind of open up this possibility that you weren't consciously aware of before that you then get to play around with and that's kind of the approach that a lot of what you know we take in our community and I think Amy you do with yours as well is the experimentation of like opening up to some sort of new possibility and and feeling that and playing around with that for yourself rather than expecting it to be a hard and fast answer that you get given from the external that outer authority um Mm. would that be true for you yeah like human design it doesn't it doesn't tell you what to do it tells you how to be with what is yeah yeah so if you're struggling, it tells you how to be with struggling. Right? Yeah, it tells you how yeah. to be. How do I be with this? How do I be with this emotional child? How do I be with this aura? How do I? It doesn't tell you, okay, what do I now do with this emotional child? It's more just, oh, ha- all right, how can I recognize, observe, be in my life with how it is, um, with awareness. And it's an awareness tool. It's simply an awareness tool. Yeah, yeah. Um talk to me a little bit about your your splenic authority and and these because you I mean all your channels come from your spleen and your spleen is like incredibly defined and everything and what's been your life experience and and play with the splenic authority for listeners out there who who have this as well 
Yeah, I think the biggest realization for me was that my spleen, I don't get a yes. And so it's very hard for me to, to, it was very hard at first for me to, I was like, okay, so I'm getting like a splenic yes for this. And it's like, no, I, I only get a no. So that means everything else is a yes, right? Everything's a yes until it's a no. I, lo- I, lo- I love this. So you get no yeses and you just get all these no's. So basically your spleen tells you what's not for you and then leaves you to like play with the rest. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, my spleen, its main job is to keep me safe and healthy and well. That's it. It's the yeah. washing machine. Keep me healthy and well. If it's not, if it's going to affect my health, wellness, it's not safe, then I'll get a ping. And it's kind of like um, sometimes it's a wariness. Sometimes I hear hear it in my the right side of my head, very specifically the right side of my head. Sometimes I hear a command, but it's never, if there's a rationale after it, that's gone to my mind. Yeah that's yeah. way. but if it's just a stop or I get this wary feeling a bit like you know when you see a dark alley I get that feeling other than that it's just like it's a yes it's a go for it yeah until until you meet a, 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 a no basically um and when I started to experiment it, with it that way it was one a lot more freeing two it took away from that like is that my intuition or is that my mind? You know, that confusion pendulum that we go through of like, I don't know if it's my mind or my intuition. Um, it took away from that and it allowed me to just be in life and just notice the different feelings that I would get in my body of like, a, oh, that's a no, oh, I'm a bit wary, oh, that doesn't sound right or something's off here, don't know what. Yeah, um, yeah it allowed me to experiment more. Yeah. And did, did time help you trust that in that, in those sensations, in those experiences? A hundred percent. Yeah. It took time. It took so much time and it took so much validating and maybe it's the logicness like, um, and looking for evidence. Maybe it took that, but it took so much, um, building of evidence and going against my spleen. And, you know, the, one of the ways I learned the fastest about spleen was eating and, you know, you, we get this feeling stop that's enough but we keep going um past that point because we're all conditioned to finish what's on our plate because of all the starving kids in the world and you should be grateful for your food and whatever (laughs) yeah so you know for splenic people out there one of the quickest ways that you can you can really recognize your spleen is in a meal to sit down to a meal and stop when your body says stop and i recognize this in my splenic child the most he would he won't he just no no more food see and this is the I think this is the fascinating thing about children when we look at parenting and human design is that children live their design until we teach them not to and and so it's really like I mean I find it now you know in my 40s and on the roof and I'm you know have deconditioned supposedly a whole seven years by now you know I, I'm like do we we never decondition like enough I don't think like I'm always like laughing at myself now maybe that's what happens after seven years you just start laughing more but yeah. <laughs> there's a way when I'm interacting with kids it is such a receptive pose like I I love I love receiving their design like it's just to to watch them in action and to let them guide you and to let them you know and then and then we come across the realities of life like education and and you know and and just these structures and systems that as society we've got in place that 
we are as as parents are expected to try and slot our children into you know what what does your spleen say about that for starters like how how has your spleen guided you in that kind of thing where you've got these two perfectly designed individuals completely differentiated living it out you're practicing letting that happen and and you know and being you know a steward for that and then you've got a society that has a very different approach to parenting in general like how has your spleen been of support to you in that yeah it's so fascinating because I will um because of my conditioning and my schooling I will go to school or teach Jed something a certain way my eldest because we sort of homeschool him a little bit we don't really (laughs) do much but but for listeners who don't know Amy lives in a van traveling around with her kids and her partner so she's she's not living a conventional life sitting in a house you know looking at you know school and stuff but yeah keep keep going we are we are far from the norm and this was Jed's initiation he wanted to live in a van so we surrendered to it and went with it so in a way he set this up for himself but um it's like I have this strategic way that I want to teach him and I instantly get this feeling in my uh chest like my stomach this is my spleen just going nah stop stop yeah um and so basically he only learns when he wants to learn he tells us when he wants to learn uh he picks his lessons he picks how long when he when he stops he stops we don't force it um the only things that I do encourage uh and because I really believe in determination digestion for children is important um I'll encourage low sounds when he's learning so he'll have some sort of headphones on or we'll try and make it low sound so he can digest the information um but the school system, like I, I, I think schools, some kids, yeah, they're going to just breeze it in that system. And some kids are really going to struggle in some aspects. Some will overcome the struggle. You know, some, some won't, some will get pulled out and be homeschooled, but it's just an ancient system. It's so, it's like catch up, catch up world. Like yeah. this- I mean, this is my, this is my approach. We've just, uh, we're just in the process of transitioning my youngest daughter out of the traditional education system into like a a new type of education um, institution that's been set up based on the fact that there are so many children. It's like designed for differentiation, which really excites me. And, um, you know, and she's been the one that has said, I don't want to do the struggle, right? So my eldest two have gone through public schooling system they haven't enjoyed it but they've been up for the challenge they've been up for the struggle and there's something about them energetically that you know it's actually served them even if it has conditioned them like I'm really trusting of conditioning as well and so for parents listening that are like I am definitely 100% conditioning my child there is also a way that what's done is done and you can trust that it was part of the path like i don't we i don't believe we can this might be my gate 18 but i don't believe we can get it wrong like we're not allowed to i've seen life course correct me last minute way too many times to be like if we don't work it out in time life will adjust us and you can't get it wrong so if it's happened it's happened and it's meant to be and some children are meant to be conditioned and programmed because that's where medicine comes from 
Like getting stuff wrong is where our service back into the village comes from. Because if we live as, you know, beautiful, perfectly differentiated uh, manifestations of our design every single day of our life, people will come to us seeking, you know, something and we won't be able to tell them because we've never actually felt any friction. We've never actually had any alchemy or, you know, uh, transformative experience in our energetic body. And that's actually like really important. So our kids create this for themselves in varying ways. And mine created it through saying yes to school. And my youngest one is like, actually, no, this is not where my medicine is going to come from. Thanks very much. And she's, you know, she's exited. Um, with both your, like, and so you've, you've got a, a two-year-old as well, I believe. Yeah. who's a projector like you tell talk to me a little bit about the two of them interacting because i think this is also the other interesting thing about you know the schooling system is very geared towards just like that sacral kind of uh mentality you know that doing kind of uh mm. mentality but you've got two non-sacral children but they're also different non-sacral children as well so talk to me about the interaction between the two of them and how you parent that yeah yeah we really encourage i really encourage respecting each other's aura you know i think if we get that down packed the rest is the rest will sort itself out you've said you've said this a lot now so would you say to parents when they're looking at human design really get to know the auras like is that something that you recommend yeah, because through through understanding the aura, then you understand how to communicate, how your auras communicate. And it's also not something done through the mind. It's literally like my aura is bumping into your aura daily. That's how it's, that's what's happening. So why not have an awareness of what's going on there? Um, and so I, I do remind Jed, you'll need to invite Jordan, the little one, the projector. If you want him to play, you need to invite him. I'll just say that to him. So he's reminded he needs an invite. Um which is also him informing, right? Like, yeah. I want to play. Yeah. 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 Um, we speak to Jed sometimes about, we don't, I, I don't really teach the kids design, but I'll, I'll use what language, um, like your superpowers, your voice, mate. You just got to let us know what you're up to. Um, that sort of thing. You've got to let dad know. You've got to let Geordie know that you're going to smack him with that thing before you smack him. Like, just let someone know. <laughs> like, <laughs> on. And it yeah. was just be a whole lot less strife. So how they interact is really fascinating to watch. Um, it's 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 extremely evident that Jed's aura, the manifestor's aura, is closed and repelling to me. It's extremely evident. It's extremely evident that the projector's aura is pokey and annoying to the manifestor. Like I, it doesn't play out any more obvious than in with two children with each other in a small space. Um, but yeah, I, I fully believe too that they get they get the lesson, they get the medicine, they get the conditioning that is correct for them. It's like how else do we have our unique outer authority without having traversed through the conditioning and the experience that we're supposed to have gone through to yeah. have that unique outer authority. And for them to growing up together, it is going to be that learning um, of how to re- really respect each other's energy and aura um because one jed like yeah he's non-sacral but he is he's high energy like energy type non-sacral he's high energy sometimes but when he crashes he crashes harder than the projector kid does who's you know defined root defined heart 
um, like two motors, project a kid with two motors. Yeah, and I mean, and this, you're, you're, you're on my mentor, Kip says this a lot, like the whole system is working together. It's all in play all at once. So you can't yeah. just look at like one thing and be like, okay, this is how this is going to play out. You've got to look at the interconnectedness of, of all of it. We were talking about you're, you're envious that I get to experience what it's like to have a split and a undefined ego. And I'm, I'm always envious of ego defined people. I'm like, how does this work? Um, you know, it's amazing. Uh, but then when I do end up with a defined ego through the transits or hanging out with somebody, there's always like, it feels kind of weird and odd because part of my like sight per se is missing. And I'm like, what's going on here? The, question I've got for you because then you have this generator partner in the mix of your family so tell us about that how does that like contribute to the family dynamics to have this sacral being you know yeah I'm like that poor bastard um because <laughs> <laughs> I come from a family of all sacral beings we're six sacral beings very heavily defined sacral beings you know so we don't in our family, in our family dynamics, um, the nuances really come down to so the field, the field, the auric field is one thing, but our, we really notice the differences in our systems in terms of our, our profile lines and how we learn and interact. And I was saying to Amy, particularly there's four of us with that are two lines and we're all about personal space. And then the other two who don't have any two lines, I'm like, do you never need to be alone to these two? It's like such a bizarre thing. We're locked behind closed doors being like, go away. Um, but what's it like having this generator partner in the mix of all of all of you? Because this is a, one of the major things that we see in terms of when people start to learn about human design. And it's something that I really hope that we can in the community, like really you know, my cross of upheaval coming in here is just like really, really like blow this out of the water and shift this up is this giant fear of sacral, non-sacral energy interacting rather than seeing it as this delicious alchemy that happens. So talk to us a little bit, a bit about your family. Yeah. Yeah. He, um, so he has three centers defined, six undefined as well. So quite open for a generator, pure generator, um, he really is, I really noticed he is the battery power. Yeah. So he's the get up and go, the get up and move, the um, hook up the van, the do this, the, 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 all the bits and pieces. And I really noticed this recently. He went away for two weeks and it was just us non-sacrals in the van for two weeks. We were all asleep by seven o'clock at night. Like the, it was just, it was just like there was energy and then there was none. And then there was energy and then there was none. And then he came home and I was like, whoa. Now I see the difference like even more clearly, but this whole, yeah. Like what's, what type suits, what type and da, 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 it's like, I don't, I don't know if it, for us, we were, draw, we were just drawn together electromagnetically. I can see exactly why we're together the way that we are, but he also, he's got, he's quite logical. A lot of his circuitry is very logical. And so for him to understand he said he doesn't give two shits about human design, by the way. It's like, he's just like, stop 56 in my 82, blah, blah, blah. Like, does not care. <laughs> <laughs> I'll be like, you can't speak to the child that way. He'll be like, watch me. Um, but he he's quite logical. And so it took, I knew that, it took evidence gathering for him. Like, if you stand next to the projector child at nighttime, he's not going to go to sleep. It's just the way it is. So I take on the brunt of, the bed the nighttime especially for the projector child because if he's standing near him 
he's up till 10 o'clock at night and you know Jono is likely to fall asleep before the child is and we really noticed that and it took evidence gathering and it took him to be like oh shit to see it is like that um but he also knows if we go on a family hike you know he'll walk next to the the non-sacral kid just to give him the bit we even talk about touching each other like give me some of your energy dad and he'll just like boom like pretend to give them some battery power energy um but he's also extremely aware that we can't keep up yeah and there's no pressure there to keep up we just simply can't um and there's certain things that we do really well like he'll invite efficiencies and he'll say what do you think about this um yeah he's learnt, but he's only learnt through evidence gathering and actually experiencing a being in life and just doing it together yeah it's been a it's a fascinating journey and it's and it's great we talked a little bit before we started about how many three lines you have in your you know in your chart and that experimental piece you know even though now you're in a the second phase of your sixth life you know and you're not technically experimenting with it anymore you are always experimenting and i think we all are always experimenting human design not being a prescription right like it doesn't matter that your partner doesn't follow human design parenting kind of processes because the experiment of it shows the truth of it anyway yeah Yeah. um and i think this is really beautiful for listeners to hear because I mean, and full permission for it, but when you first learn about human design, it's like literally any only, the only thing anybody wants to talk about and they take everything back to human design. And it's kind of like this in the spiritual space. <laughs> everything suddenly yeah. has meaning, like every single thing somebody does. What is this about in their human design system? And the reality is it doesn't really matter. You'll like find out anyway. And it's such an amazing, I always think it's an amazing thing. This might be my emotional wave because that's unconscious for me. But when I see stuff in hindsight of what has happened, and then I'm like, Oh, my God, I know what that means in the chart so much the way that, uh, that I learn the the embodiment of human design is actually like seeing it in hindsight having played out. So for mm-hmm. listeners, please have fun with not worrying about what this is in human design and like let it happen live the experience have the the exchange and then if if it's still lighting you up or if it's if you've still got curiosity around it then like look at your human design and and see what that tells you about it yeah um you don't have to know before you get started yeah. And we'll see and you see this in in people that don't care about human design and you can see them clearly living. I mean, I did a whole series of interviews on in the first season of this podcast with people that didn't know anything about human design talking about their human design and how beautifully they lived it out because I could see that knowing human design, they don't know their design. They're just doing it because it's true and it works and it feels great and they're healthy and they thrive and you know, and I think that's what you're saying with your partner is he just naturally starts to parent according to design because it works it's you know you you learn what what uh is correct for your kids and you can follow that follow that with them yeah you said earlier that you don't necessarily speak to human design when you speak to your kids do you have any particular personal opinion or belief about uh you know whether it's good to not actually refer to their human design or whether you know it doesn't really matter like what's your personal opinion on this Mm, I think it's tricky territory you know kids can 
their their condition so quickly you know so we if we start telling them that they are this and they are that it's also like why why are we doing that for starters um rather than just allowing and watching and observing um and two it's kind of like what do you expect like what have you read about the what have you read about the manifesto child and then if you tell your child they're a manifesto are you from your place of your mind expecting them to act like what you've read about rather than just observing what they actually are I think I, I my, my pendulum swings both ways I'm like it's tricky business but also sometimes there are like with 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 Jed with he's got to learn to inform he's too dangerous not to it's too dangerous it's unsafe the things he does is unsafe if he doesn't bloody tell somebody and so it's like aspects of design like strategy um you know I say to him there's a gap this is a game this life is a game mate and there is one hack to the system like there's a cheat here and your cheat in particular is to just tell people what you're going to do what you're doing Sort of thing. So I, I love that. I, I feel I feel similarly. I think actually teaching your kids human design is actually kind of like mental programming. So mm. then it and it's like anything, it puts them in a box. It's it's just another box because they don't then their experiment is actually coming from their mind rather than what's natural for them. So I, I, I agree with you on that. But I do love this concept of like teaching them their strategy, not necessarily in terms of the human design language but that like literally just like why don't you try this out why don't you experiment with this why don't you play with this i mean something definitely when i started learning about design you know and i was a single mother with three kids and i realized we were all twos and i was like thank goodness and i'm like how about instead of forcing ourselves to have family time every evening we all just go to our own rooms and do our own things and it was amazing. And that was like a huge relief on my system. But also the what I saw in my kids was the creativity that started to spring through them as they're them as sacral beings going into their own space as twos were able to take like to take up that space for themselves without like needing their energy to be working with anything else. And it and they and that's when my daughter's you know creativity their artistic pursuits and all of that sort of stuff started blossoming you know and i didn't need to teach them design to like kind of give them that and the truth was we were all sitting around the dinner table or in the lounge room frustrated in the evenings being yeah. like we just want to be alone thanks very much and as a mother single mother at that point me being like i'm a bad mother because i don't want to be with my children but actually it was wasn't about my children it was about me and my energy and really what i needed and i'd got the perfect children for that so it was perfect for us um what is the what is the what is like what is the main thing that you would like to tell mothers in particular about um human design and if they've just come if they've come into human design or if they're like okay well as a mother I'm going to look at human design where would you recommend that they start their uh interaction with human design yeah um it would be like definitely obviously look up the charts have a look at the different types um aura mechanics always like what different auras do you have in that house and how do your auras bump into each other 
the next place that I go that's necessary because you know we don't have to we don't have to look at the not self of our children we don't that that will sort itself out if we just focus on definition what's there what's there so the next place I usually go especially for young children is determination straight to food um and the reason being is because I've had this experiment myself breastfeeding a cold thirst baby um who was heat rashes all over his body and my mind going no breast is best like my hot breast milk is best and just watching it affect his body Um, and he had no choice I was force feeding him he was a newborn baby his conditioning started the day he was born yeah yeah and so I just want to also remind mothers that like give yourself a break cut yourself some slack you're doing it you're already doing it you don't have to know more you don't have to um, sign up for 150 different masterclasses you don't have to do like you know there's so much to learn in human design that it's a lifelong learning you don't have to know it all before you start you're already doing it simply by just watching and being in your movie in the life watching your children watching how you interact you're doing it and you're doing a fantastic job whether you feel like well I'm going against my authority here because I'm changing fucking nappies when I don't want to be changing nappies you're still doing the experiment you're still in it you just know that you're a bitter mum because you're changing nappies because you've been put into response to something you don't want to be doing. It's, it's amazing how much that changes when you actually acknowledge, oh, I'm actually living my not self, which is why I'm feeling this way. And nothing actually changes, but it's just like, you know that, from, and that's what I mean for me when I was feeling bad because I didn't want to spend time with my children, just acknowledging, oh, when, you know, we were fortunate that we could change that it worked for us but even if we didn't then suddenly like I wasn't a bad mum this was just like a fact about me and it wasn't something that I needed to get really up in my own grill about yeah it's amazing because I mean that's the number one thing I hear from mums is like but I have to do this because this is the reality and it's not just mums this is like other people as well when we're talking about you know, their dynamics and service or whatever it might be. And there's like the reality, you know, a generator who can't quit their job because they need to earn money right now. And the reality is like, I would never tell somebody off, you hate your job to quit it because that's not going to serve their nervous system. (laughs) It's going to, like, that's crazy. But But the reality is it even just the awareness of opening to the oh this is actually my system telling me something Mm -hmm. and i might not be able to do anything about it but even just me knowing that this is actually energetically correct for me to be feeling this way right now is a very 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 magically transformative thing it like it will blow your mind what can happen from that point once you just sit with the truth of like oh i'm bitter as fuck about changing nappies yeah that's what I mean like it doesn't tell you what to do it just tells you how to be with what is and it's like whatever it is I'm angry I'm bitter I'm frustrated I'm tired I'm I'm touched out you know I've got a split definition child who wants to be on me and I'm single definition and I'm like I'll come to you when I want you to be on me but I'm just angry I'm I'm bitter because the the child's on me Mm. how do I just be with that okay this is why that's it's just mechanics it's like drop the story see the mechanics, drop the story, see the mechanics. So great. Um, the, the other thing that you said before that I wanted to kind of like ask you about as well, um, in relation to 
like when you said like like look at the mechanics so you you said about talking about you know looking at the auric type and the and the strategy and everything that goes along with how that works you know learning about their um you know their digestion and then there is this way that when people come to human design they want to know about every single gate that's lit up in their chart they're like and and it's like personally and for their loved ones they're like i want to know what this channel means i want to know what this gate means and you know what's my uh and the the thing i wanted to ask you about specifically is the what's my life purpose kind of question people come with these questions of like oh this is going to tell me who i am and what i'm here for like what i'm meant to be doing because this is what right from day dot we're kind of geared towards it's just like you find out who you are and then you do the things that that person is meant to do in life and you have a completely open g-center so i'm just like wanting to know what has been your experience around this question of like who am i and what am i here for because you're one of these people that online on social media has this fabulous kind of service that you give out in terms of like i would be like Amy Ruth knows who she is and what she's here for, but what's the lived experience on the inside of that? Cause I know it must've been very multifaceted for you. Yeah. You, you really get the experience of me that you get. Um, and then the next person gets the next one and the next one gets the next one. And it's like my meaning, my purpose, it's, it's only to be me. Like the, it's so hard to explain. It's like, it's like, I can be anybody and anything and any illusion to you that you, you know, perceive of me through whatever, through whatever lens you're looking at me through, but the next person's going to get the next thing and the next person's going to get the next thing. Um, And so really just knowing that I don't have to hold any consistency. I'm not here for any purpose other than to just be in the movie, in the experience of life. Like the meaning of life is to simply just be in life and then whatever comes out of that is whatever it's you, like you're flying around on a dead rock in space just killing time <laughs> sort of things <laughs> why are we suffering over this yeah. um like that's my big that's my big six line perspective and then I hone in and I'm like of course people are suffering Amy because they're so deep in their minds to find their purpose to identify with something because that's going to give me purpose that's going to give me meaning and it's like it doesn't matter what you identify with people are only going to ever see you through their own perspective anyway yeah however they how does your how does your defined ego go with people's perspectives of you um yeah it's interesting I can go into prove mode very quickly because of my undefined Ajna so like we say it all comes together it's like no I can prove to you that I'm certainly this way and not the way that you're telling me I am but I also love when um I love when my ego gets triggered because it's a really good indication for me. It's a mirror for me. It's like, oh, why did that trigger my ego? And it's usually because I'm holding a belief or an identity, a very strong one in my own mind of myself. And that's a great way to start to shatter that belief. Yeah. Start to really shake, rattle and roll it. And I don't think that we can dismantle our beliefs until they get cracked and shattered. And that's what a a trigger does for us. It's so great. I, I just I love how much game you have for the experiment, like the 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 being triggered, and for for people um, listening, you know, 
we live in a society at the moment that's really scared to bump up against each other and to trigger each other off. And there's a lot of, uh, you know, my opinions and your opinions don't match. And that's a dangerous thing. And that's actually like part of the, I think this is such a part of the alchemy of this time in the world right now that is like and 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 I want to bring this into the conversation because it is the world that our children are going to inherit it's the it's our children's world essentially you know we're this beautiful transitioning generation you know moving three people through a one way of being into another way of being and what we're seeing what I believe what we're seeing is that uh, you know, things tend to get more heated before they actually transform or transmute. And so we see a lot of the, you know, in the public space, and this is a great conversation to have this week because Pluto and Jupiter and, you know, all those planets are doing lots of funny, funny things this week, and we're all probably going to notice some stuff. But it's like, the friction's getting hotter and people are actually seeing this as a bad thing. It's bad to trigger each other off. It's bad to make people have arguments about their beliefs. It's bad and wrong to, you know, to make other people uncomfortable or question themselves or question you. And I take this again, upheaval. I take this as actually like a great thing. Like, let's get, let's really bump up against each other. Let's turn this into like a, a mosh pit and turn the music up and like really have a go at it because we might actually find that we, what transmutes is we actually end up having a good time having this collective struggle, this collective challenge together. And it actually unites us to actually transmute and go through into giving our children a different way to create society to create their communities and their tribes and you know all the rest of this you know it is these you know if we look at the circuitry in human design and we have these individuals that are highly mutative and then we have these tribal people that are really concerned about you know what this means for the for the village and then we have these collective people who are all actually about like, okay, well, let's like really look at what the ripple effect of all of this going on is. And there is a way that none of this can be done in isolation. Like your differentiation is actually, uh, is actually like, you know, if we look at everything in your chart is going on inside of you, well, actually everything in everybody's chart is all going on inside of something, you know, bigger. And, um, and then when we look at this in terms of parenting, there's actually a way what I would like to bring in and what I think, Amy, you do so well is like to really bring parents back to their own experiment with human design, their own human design and their own willingness to be triggered, to feel the friction, to question their beliefs, to really like get uncomfortable inside of their own differentiation. It, not just for their children, but for for the whole part of the role that they play in whatever this game is that we're playing that none of us really know. We pretend, we tell stories about it, but we don't know. <laughs> yeah. But you think about it though, it's like one mum standing at the playground says, yeah, we tried sleep training and it didn't work. So I'm, you know, I'm not going to do it anymore. And that then instantly gives the mum next door like, oh, thank fuck, it didn't work for me either. Yeah. You know, like just somebody yeah. standing in their own, um, differentiation and going actually no this is my experiment and this is what happened through my lens how the ripple effect of that through communities can can take place um yeah I just think it's so important um 
and that it is your own experiment that we only you know you can only go as radical as you can you can only go as radical as your system can handle you can only go as radical in the life situation that you have sort of thing and somebody else's radical is going to be different to your radical like for for some people whoa a five-year-old child initiated you to sell everything and live in a van like that's too radical and I get that but for me at the time that was my level of comfortability I could handle yeah Um, you know but for someone else it's like their radical might be like oh I actually went and asked my work if I could have Fridays off and I'm going to spend Friday studying this thing that I love and that's their radical that they can handle at the moment and that's their experiment it's like there's no two that are the same there's no two ways that are the same so let's stop pretending who's doing it better yeah and uh, because that's just an illusion anyway really like this this competitiveness and I love this coming from a I have these great conversations with defined ego people and I'm undefined and I'm like we're all miracles like I'm so excited about every single human being on the planet and there is a way that the defined ego people really give that some substance because they're really like what you were just saying is like your radical and my radical don't have to look the same for them both to be radical, right? Uh, it's not about more or less or better or worse. And you've got some real good, great substance to bring to that conversation. Whereas I'm just like, we're all amazing, <laughs> right? It's like so, so much less definition in that statement coming from me. Um, Sorry <laughs> about it, don't I? <laughs> yeah, I think it's great. I think it's really great. The, I mean, to 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 talk about mothers and the conversation about the word mother motherhood you know and i think what we're seeing a lot in terms of the activation around this is actually like a really beautiful uh experiment in terms of you know friction and so like the the inquiry the invitation the game you know that i give listeners right now is to think about this you know, topic right now around mother, we're coming off the back of Mother's Day and mother and what does mother mean to you? You know, the act of being a mother, but also the energy of mother. And then all those ways that you feel friction in the world, in your personal world or the world at large, and then have a look at your chart and see where where am I undefined? Where do I not have a, like a definition in me that might be getting swirled around for this? And what do I have inside of me that has definition that might be able to like really allow me to anchor into something inside of me? And I think this is a practice you can do for pretty much you know, anything in life that you come across with where you feel lost. And I think that's, you know, what I love about human design is it finds so many people found you, it found me in these places where we're lost, right? And it becomes a a modality, a tool, a a thing that you can kind of use to light your way for a little while. So, or or a long while, if you're me and Amy. like um use it use it for those things when you're feeling lost and you're like i don't know what this means for me and then if you're like amy and you've got no definition whatsoever in your in your head or your ajna or your throat it might not be about having these you know set opinions or beliefs but if you've got a splenic authority what's the sensation that you have around that that's where is it where is it leading you or not leading you as amy was talking about and you know, if you've got a defined ego or an undefined ego and just like play around with that and don't think it gives you the answers, but it gives you something to experience, which is the important thing. Yeah. It gives you something to lean on. That's what it yeah. did for me because I was so, I was just swimming in the soap and it's like, all right, what have I got to lean on here? My spleen, my root pressure, my ego. That's what I got to lean on. 
Um, but it's like also looking to like where where's the awareness? Oh, the spleen's the awareness. Like I can't just lean on my ego. That'll send me. That'll send me on an ego. Because <laughs> <laughs> the root will just like that'll just send me down stress city. But it's like where's my awareness? My awareness is in my spleen. All right, I can lean on that now. Awesome. Yeah. Thank you, Amy. This has been a great conversation. Um, where can people find you? What sort of stuff do you have that people can um, come and experience your work or work with you around? Yeah, um, I just hang out on on the gram. Um, you know, I don't do all of the platform. I've got all the time for all the platforms, just the gram. Um, and it's just Amy Ruth HD. Um, and, you know, I, I don't have an open calendar anymore for one-on-one sessions, um, but people are welcome to email and invite me. Um, and Spleen just decides, just Spleen decides I don't have any rationale anymore. I used to have open slather and be available to everybody. And then it was like, yeah, nah. But where I am available to everybody is inside the HD hub. And that's where you just see our day-to-day life, like me being restricted to a two-minute shower this morning here on needle three where the hot water only goes for two minutes and I'm like now I'm under pressure if you can do this <laughs> um so yeah the HD hub space is where you find my day today that's awesome thank you so much it has been an absolute pleasure to jam with you around human design and I really recommend that listeners go and check out Amy's content and um and yeah like I said I I really respect and think I would like to recognize that amazing stuff that you communicate around parenting and human design I think it's some of the best in the world so I really highly recommend if you're a mom or a dad and you're thinking about how can human design support me as a parent and let me uh you know really get to know my kid and parent my child in the right way go and check out amy's stuff because it's it's brilliant it's really great oh thank you likewise for the things that you girls are doing in the world (laughs) yeah it's just a new revolution and i love that australia is finally catching up like i'm bored now it's like the aussies have just got up and are like all right let's do this thing (laughs) human design space is exciting at the moment there's a lot of transformation happening in there i think it's just really starting to come through and um if you're new to human design old to human design i'm like it's a great time to get in there and see what's happening yeah great thank you amy thank you i can feel it i feel it yeah